Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get to meet a special friend, a, a new uh, member of the broadcast team here at The Bottom Line Show because of a relationship that we have here at Crawford Broadcasting with the organization that he leads. Uh, Jack Hay is the third president of Patrick Henry College. He's served there faithfully for about uh, a decade now uh, after spending a number of uh, years in the banking world. And uh, he brings a heart for uh, ministry, and there's a great Patrick Henry-sponsored event coming to the Southland. And so we wanted to bring him on here on the Bottom Line Show to give you a chance to get to meet him. Uh, President Jack, hey, welcome to the Bottom Line Show. Thank you very much, Roger, and delighted to be here. We're excited about what Patrick Henry is doing, of course. This is a, a college that I was aware of through uh, a many-year relationship with uh, Dr. David Aikman, who was a regular contributor to the Bottom Line Show for years. And I know he was, uh, I believe, was adjunct faculty at one point at Patrick Henry and yes. a couple of other alums, you know, that have found their way there. Um, Patrick Henry College uh, has a, a rich reputation on the East Coast, but there's definitely a West Coast connection, too. Jack, could you give us maybe a 60-second overview for those who may be saying, I'm hearing Patrick Henry College for the first time. Yeah, thanks. And I appreciate the opportunity to do that. Patrick Henry was founded in 2000, the year 2000. It's a relatively new college by Michael Ferris, uh, formerly yes. HCLDA, and also Alliance Defending Freedom. Um, and he pulled a, a group of us together in the late 90s and asked the question, are we raising a generation of young people who could write the Constitution or write the Bill of Rights? Hmm. And it was, it was a very sobering uh, sort of deal. Uh, question. And so we began to look around and look at some things that were beginning to slide, even in formerly faithful Christian institutions, and and thought there's there's something that we, we should be doing, um, that God was calling us to do something very specific about equipping a generation of leaders, Christian leaders. And so uh, the college was formed, um, and we, we've been in operation now since 2000, and the Lord has blessed us incredibly with what our alums have gone on to do and just seeing great things um, we pull from across the U.S., but actually one of our largest constituencies is from California. Wow. So we are very grateful for the believers in California that are, are that partner with us to try and create the next generation of leaders who are humble before the Lord and are willing to take strong stands from a moral standpoint. Well, there's an event coming up on Saturday, February 24th, and it's right here in our own backyard, about 10 minutes from the Cape Bright Studios at Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo. And it's going to be an opportunity for you to meet President Hay and some other staff members and also some alumni as well. That as a, as a dad who has, uh, my kids are all through the college world now, including grad school. That's the one thing I want to talk to. I'll, I can all talk to the leadership all day long. I want to talk to satisfied customers, if you yes. will, Pastor Hay. And you've got a whole mix of them coming to Calvary Chapel on Saturday, February 24th. Talk about what that event's going to be like. Yeah, thank you. It's an opportunity for us to to uh, be in the market and to talk about uh, some important things. The, the theme of the conference is what does it mean to think biblically and to lead courageously? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great conversation, both with adults, but especially with teenagers. Yeah. It's, they're trying to sort through things, man. They're just inundated on every side. It's incredible stuff. So how do I, how do I think about this biblically? Um, and I'll also be bringing the head of our history department uh, that will give a lecture on what does it look like to, to see God at work through history, through the good things and the bad things, but to see it, it part of God's redemption story as it plays out with history. Um, and we'll be just spending time uh, together, getting to know them and ans answering their questions uh, and considering this idea of, of biblical worldview. What is that and why does it matter? 
You know, one of the things I love about this event, and we're talking about a special open house that's happening, it's the Patrick Henry College's Student Impact Summit that's coming to the Southern California area here at Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo on Saturday, February 24th. And we've got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com. You can sign up for early bird pricing. Uh, this is something that... As we think about, you know, education and kids, I, I know there are a lot of parents and a lot of grandparents who are watching, you know, the, their children and grandchildren in their first, second, third grade. And college seems like it's it's kind of far way off. What typically when you have a summit like this, President, hey, what what is the age range of the students that are coming and the parents or grandparents that are coming with them? Yeah, gen generally, they're going to be a middle school and high school. Okay. Um, um, but there could be parents or just that are, they have very young children. They're just coming and trying to figure out, you know, are there options out there that I need to be thinking about? But generally, as far as the engagement, uh, it's, it's middle school to high school. Mm. It's a good time to be thinking about that and involving the kids in the conversation. Mm -hmm. I would imagine there are a lot of parents, too. I mean, we see what's happening in public schools. Um, I have actually two of my kids are teaching in public school right now. And I so appreciate the witness that they're bringing to you know that public school arena, especially here in the People's Republic of California, as we like to call <laughs> it. But I know more and more parents are opting for private school, even homeschooling as well. Yeah. And I would imagine Patrick Henry is that kind of diamond in the rough, well-kept secret for, you know, maybe public or private school kids, but the homeschool community, uh, I would imagine there's probably been an immediate connection with the school right away. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right, because the school actually grew out of the homeschooling movement mm. uh, as an option for bright students. I mean, parents were coming to Mike uh, Ferris as he traveled across the U.S. and said, we've got these bright students, where do I send them? And he couldn't come up with an answer. Right, right. So to, even today, a little over 70% of our students have been homeschooled at some part of their, their educational experience. Um, so we get homeschooling, and I'm, I'm a homeschooling dad myself. Um, so it's, it's one of those uh, things that's part of our DNA. I'm talking with Jack Hay today here on The Bottom Line Show. He's the president of Patrick Henry College and coming up this on Saturday, February 24th at Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo. Great church. Brian Dagan, the, the pastor there, uh, my church, Lutheran Church of the Cross up the road, uh, used to support the Dagans when they did ministry work in the Czech Republic for years. And so when I saw that you were hosting this event at Brian's church, I thought, boy, you could not have picked a better spot uh, for something like this to happen. And whether you're in San Diego or San Bernardino, Riverside County, LA County, it's a relatively easy drive. So it's very, very centrally located, even for our Northern California listeners, you might want to look into, uh, you know, hopping on that one hour commuter plane and, and making the trip down. Uh, as you talk about the event, could help us understand what the day looks like. I mean, there is a, a small cost involved for mm -hmm. this to participate in the event, but the day itself is going to, it'll be very robust, but also very, very efficient to talk about that. Well, that's, that's exactly right. The hours are from nine to four. Uh, and we'll begin with a, a time of worship together. Um, and then I will have a general session, a plenary session, where I talk about the need for moral courage mm -hmm. in our country. And what does moral courage look like? And, and it's a different, moral outrage is very different from moral courage, right? And so drawing those distinctions of what does it mean to look at the, the world and all the situations we have around us through a biblical lens. Um, then we'll have a, a, a short break, and then we'll break go into three breakout sessions. And I'll lead one on leadership uh, that's focused on helping young people understand what does it mean to be cultivating my leadership, even if I'm a middle school or high school student, how do I figure out what kind of leader I am? And then how do I use that to honor God? And even, even in school, how do I do that? 
Um, then our, our, our head of our history department will be leading uh, a breakout session on the view of history, a biblical view of history uh, through, uh, through ancient history all the way through up through U.S. history. It'll be like a lecture, kind of a day at, at PHC, a lecture from him. Uh, he's very engaging. He's actually from uh, Southern California and did his PhD work at UCLA. Hmm. Uh, so it's kind of coming back back home for him. Yeah, sure. And then we have one of our alums that that's, that's, uh, will come and talk about what does it look like to live out your faith in a hyper-secular work environment? Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, it, it, so how do you how do you be a faithful witness in a hyper secular environment? Um, so I, th I think that and, and so people will rotate through all three of those breakout sessions throughout the day. Where there'll be a break for lunch, and the the breakout sessions are generally an hour each. Mm -hmm. um, and so uh, that's that's how the day breaks out. We try to be very efficient. My background is, as you said, I was a baker, right? So yeah. It's it's about, you know, we've got to make sure we're, we're making good use of everyone's time. Absolutely. And I like to tease myself in this. I'm talking with uh, President Jack Hay, who's the president of Patrick Henry College, as we're discussing their upcoming uh, student summit. Uh, the Student Impact Summit for Southern California is going to be held Saturday, February 24th at Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo. We've got all the particulars up at thebottomlineshow.com. And more to come in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Call personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law first after an accident. Friends or family might tell you to get in touch with the insurance company for the party at fault first, but this is wrong. Stephanie knows countless myths that surround personal injury law, and she will help you separate fact from fiction. Stephanie worked directly for insurance companies for decades, and she knows how to navigate the process. You may wonder if your injury is too minor to warrant an attorney representing you. Stephanie can help you figure that part out with a free call, and she will tell you honestly if she thinks it's worth pursuing. Sometimes injured people are concerned about going to trial, but Stephanie prides herself on her ability to stay out of a courtroom because it typically means that she can maximize the amount you will actually receive. Don't make these decisions on your own. Contact Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com slash cover. That's C-O-V-E-R. Talking with uh, President Jack Hay, who's the president of Patrick Henry College, as we're discussing their upcoming uh, student summit, uh, the Student Impact Summit for Southern California. is going to be held Saturday, February 24th at Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo. We've got all the particulars up at thebottomlineshow.com. And this is an event I would encourage bottom line listeners, if you don't have a kid in this age range, or maybe more importantly, a grandchild who you would uh, want to support, this is also, this is a very worthwhile uh school and endeavor to support. And I, I'm glad that uh, your alumna is going to be or with you in tow, uh, President Hay, because of the fact that I'm, uh, my skeptical self, my, it's funny, I, uh, teasing earlier, uh, my undergraduate is in accounting. So I, you know, how I wound up in broadcast ministry, I like to talk, I like the radio, God had other ideas than what I was thinking. But it's nice that when you bring that business background, there's a part of me that says, okay, a classical liberal arts education is good, but it has to pay off in the marketplace. And the yeah. fact that you've got an MBA from Patrick Henry College coming to address the students and say, trust me, this is the grounding that you want, yeah. but also you're going to be able to do something with your degree. Talk about why that's important. Yeah, that's very, very important. In fact, the, uh, the young woman that'll be joining us uh, finished here and then went to Israel, uh, to a university in Israel to do her MBA. Wow. And she had a lot of job opportunities to stay in Israel. Um, right. She came back and we got a phone call not long after she graduated number one in her class. Excellent. But a lot of, uh, we had a phone call from the uh, university to say, can you send us more of her? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Love it. Love yeah. it. 
Yeah, because you know one of the important things is is, and we miss out on this in higher education. There's there's so many other things that get chased, but uh, at PHC we're focused on how do you how do you equip um, students and young adults to think clearly through complex issues. How do you give them the skills to write well and concisely and express their thoughts? And then how do you give them the skill to speak articulately, right? So think about those three, three things, to think critically and to write persuasively and with conviction and to speak with bold humility. Now, that's going to do well just about anywhere you go. Right, right. right. And those are vital skills to have. I was mm -hmm. reading a, a leadership blog earlier this week where the contributor for that uh, day's post was talking about the fact, to your point about being able to write persuasively. And he said, you know, that's what I look for whenever I'm considering someone, whether it's CEO of a company or a pastor or, you know, in terms of executive search, what I'm looking for, anybody can give a talk. Anybody with the right charisma can charm their way into or out of any situation they want to. He said, I want to see what, how they write and how they articulate that that way. And when there are so many kids where you see school districts imposing a, what we better put, we, let's reintroduce cursive. You know, yeah. I think there's some school districts in Texas, they're considering it a second language, you know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's, it's so foreign. And yet you and I come from an era when yeah. even if you went to college and listened to it and recorded it, you went back and wrote your notes down. Yes. There's something about that classical liberal arts foundation that we've lost. And when people hear liberal arts, the first thing they think of is, oh my gosh, here comes that progressive nonsense, right. you know, that's all woke and whatever. But help us understand the Patrick Henry College commitment to what classical liberal arts, what does that really mean, President Jack? Hayes? Yeah, no, that, that's exactly right. Because it, it does get a lot of bad press and you think, okay, that's a degree in basket weaving. Right. Um, and, but, but it's not. And, and if you look at the kind of the original meaning of liberal arts, it was an, or the liberal education, it was an education that was worthy of a free man. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, going way back into antiquity, that's what a liberal education is. But, but a lot of things we've taken and changed the meaning of the words. But for us, it is how do you take the whole, the whole expanse of learning and the, the concept of university is everything should be integrated. And we believe in a Christian university, it should not only be integrated, and knowledge, but also reflect how God has revealed himself through all of those disciplines. How do you see God in mathematics and physics and, and rhetoric? And so in order to develop the kinds of skills, because one of the things that we did at the very beginning was try to figure out uh, what, how were the founding fathers educated? What hmm. books did they read? How did they right. learn to debate complex issues with themselves? And went back and looked at that and then figured out how can you translate that into the 20th century? So we came up, there's a 63 unit course. So for the first two years, all of our students take the same classes, mm. all studying rhetoric. They're all studying theology. They're all studying physics and geometry, freedom's foundations about the, our country. Uh, they all take constitutional law. Um, and so when they finish those two years, they have had a very rigorous education where they've had to write a lot and defend mm -hmm. their opinions a lot. So mm -hmm. when they get to the upper classes, they're they're really able to take off and study at a very high level um, because they have that core understanding. And for a faculty, they know every book they've read, mm. every concept that they've been challenged with. 
I think that's wonderful. Jack Hay is with me today here on the Bottom Line, president of Patrick Henry College. We've got a link up at thebottomlineshow.com, not only for phc.edu, but also for their special Southern California Summit. It's the Patrick Henry College Student Impact Summit. The LA edition is coming to Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo on Saturday, February 24th. And we've got a link uh, at thebottomlineshow.com to how you can sign up. There's a uh, there, there's a nominal cost to cover the cost of expenses and you know food and that type of thing. But this is definitely an informational set, segment, at which point you'll begin to realize that every student who graduates from Patrick Henry College actually understands that rhetoric isn't a bad thing. Um, <laughs> I think in the culture, when you hear, oh, there goes that rhetoric again. It's like, wait, what happened to grammar and logic and rhetoric? I mean, that's the way the educational system used to function here in the United States. Um, there are, uh, we're going to go right to the, the pocketbook now here, because obviously a good education is not inexpensive. And we hear about the skyrocketing costs of going to a four-year school or a five or six or nine-year school to try to get your bachelor's degree at most of the leading universities these days. How does Patrick Henry rank and how can our listeners get behind this? Because I'm talking to a lot of grandparents right now who are probably saying, well, I don't know if I should help out. It's probably more important now than ever before, I would mm -hmm. say, President Jack Hay, for grandparents to say, we have to step up to protect the next generation. Well, it is. It's about preserving the next generation and actually preserving America, the America that we know. Mm -hmm. uh, we do not accept government funding because hey. government funding hey. comes with lots of strings mm -hmm. and lots of programs that have to be supported. And we do not also, we have a, a no long-term debt policy mm -hmm. and the Lord has provided. So everything that we have here, the Lord's provided. Uh, and so we do depend on uh, partners to help us because all of our students uh, are are scholarshiped uh, and, and we attract very bright students and they have lots of options. And so about 98% of our students come here on um, significant scholarships. And so our, we raise money every year to support those scholarships. Um, um, by a lot of college standard, it's a fairly modest amount. It's about $3.8 million mm -hmm. because our student body is 400 students and it's okay. small by design. Mm -hmm. um, I'm often asked, well, how big do you want it to be? Well, it's not up to me. It's really what the Lord has called us to do. Amen. And the type of education we do, you have to have a small gearing between faculty and staff because, uh, and, and students, because there's this mentorship that goes on and and as our Dean of Academic Affairs says every year at the beginning of the school, that encouraging the faculty, they need to see you as subject matter experts, but more importantly, they need to see you as older brothers and sisters in the Lord. Amen. Right? Because Amen. you have an opportunity. In fact, you have a responsibility. You have these kids for four years. What are you going to do with them? Mm -hmm. So yes, our the, uh, our the relationship with our donors is very, very important. Uh, and you can go to phc.edu, find out ways to help. You know, I'm so grateful to hear you speak in those terms of, of regarding the, the financial accountability and not being beholden to the government. I think that is it, it's becoming more and more important. And we've seen this happen here. There are some outstanding Christian universities on the left coast here that have really had to buckle under the pressure of, yeah. well, what happens if you are in the federal programs? that are a nice pipeline that can actually sustain a Christian university. But as things have become more progressive for you to say, look, this is the size, this is the scope. This is what we're trying to the impact we're trying to have. And to hear that so many students have at least some kind of scholarship opportunity and won't be graduating with student debt, yeah. which is just, it, I, I know too many parents in my generation who have children 
who would love to get married, but because the student let loan debt is basically the size of a mortgage payment, yeah. they can't get it. And they, it seemed like a great idea at the time, but how do you get on with your life if you're dragging that around with you? So I yeah. love Patrick Henry College's commitment to not having students graduate with a ton of debt. Um, president Jack Hay, the president of, of uh, Patrick Henry College is with me today here on the Bottom Line Show. We're talking about their Student Impact Summit that is going to bring students and families from all over the Southland, all over down the West Coast, and even I would imagine it in Nevada and Arizona too. Does the does the reach extend that far? Yeah, I mean, obviously there we've already heard from some folks from Arizona that want to drive over, so that's that's very encouraging. Yeah, good. Um, Give you've got sixty seconds left. We'll get we call it the elevator talk in the industry. Uh, give us your best pitch, President Jack Hay, for why our listeners would want to be involved in not only in the Student Leadership Summit for Patrick Henry College, but also to become involved with the school on the whole. Thank you. Um, it's is so important now more than ever that we recognize the importance of thinking biblically. And, um, and anchor our decisions, anchor our educational choices, anchor our integrity, our, our, our ethics in biblical morality uh, and in biblical principles. Um, and so this particular summit, we're going to talk about what does it mean to lead from a biblical perspective? What does it mean to even think about looking at the world through a biblical lens? Um, and and it's, it's such an important thing for us to be thinking about because, you know, we spend $1.6 trillion a year in education. Oh, my. And I am reminded, and that's the most recent figure, uh, uh, Haggai has a wonderful word, uh, word for us on this. In Haggai chapter one, it, it talks about all the good things that the people were doing. But he says, it's like putting money with a purse with holes in it mm. because they had forgotten the Lord. Mm hmm. Right. And so we can have all kinds of programs. And if we don't start in the right place, we're not going to end in the right place. Amen. Amen. And amen. Uh, Jack Hay, the president of Patrick Henry College, phc.edu is the website, the Patrick Henry College Student Impact Summit coming to Southern California, Saturday, February 24th. There's a link for how you can register up at thebottomlineshow.com. Pray for the school, pray for the leadership. If God is compelling you to uh, stand with them financially to that partnership, will pay huge dividends, not only in our nation moving forward, but also for all of eternity with the biblical. Uh, it's right there in their, in their mission statement. Think biblically and lead courageously. Uh, Jack Hay, thank you so much. And we're looking forward to meeting you uh, on Saturday, February 24th, when you're here in Southern California. So thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Rogers. My, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, this is certainly going to be a great event, and I highly recommend you attend if you can. Be in prayer, of course, if uh, if you can't make it in person. And also be thinking about ways that you can uh, kind of help a college like Patrick Henry College to put together these student leadership summits so that more young students can find a way to get that great classical liberal arts education. That just means well-rounded. It means varied. Um, for more information, go online to thebottomlineshow.com. That's T-H-E, bottomlineshow.com. And we've got a link there. And my thanks again to uh, Jack Hayes, the uh, Jack Hay, rather, the uh, president of Patrick Henry College. Some final thoughts on this issue and thinking biblically in a crazy world. Coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Jack Hay. He's the president of Patrick Henry College, and their Student Leadership Summit is coming up on Saturday, February 24th. The cutoff for 
Early registration, there's an early bird discount, is Monday, February 5th. So I encourage you to go to thebottomlineshow.com and check it out. I know a lot more kids are homeschooled these days. A lot more parents and grandparents are playing a greater role in the education of their kids. And the whole idea of mentoring is not lost on the Patrick Henry uh, uh, faculty and student body. Uh, On the other side of this break, today we did something, we're going to do something a little bit different. Today is Thursday, and that means that it's National Crawford Roundtable Podcast Day for the whole network coming up at the 4 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, If you're listening on KLDC, uh, you can hear this program on KLTT and KLZ. If you're listening on KCBC and you're cheating because you're not actually on the live feed yet, um, you probably already heard what was uh, discussed. But on this week's National Crawford Roundtable podcast, Bob Duco, John Rush, and Neil Boron got together and discussed the kerfluffle with Alistair Begg, the Bible teacher on Truth For Life. Now, Truth For Life is heard every weekday at 12 noon here on K-Bright AM 740 in all of Southern California and AM 1240 in San Diego. And the thing about uh, Truth For Life is that Alistair Begg is this fantastic, he's been preaching for 50 years, he's been at uh, Parkside Church in Cleveland for 41 And in a conversation on a podcast that they had, a woman who's a grandmother who has a grandson who's getting married, the grandson is marrying a woman who actually is a man who had his body surgically altered to look like a woman. And she wanted to know, you know, they they invited me to the wedding. Should I go? And he said, well, do you understand that you have a very strong Christian faith and they need to see that Christian witness? Yes, I do. Um, You know, do you believe that homosexuality and this type of activity is sinful yes i do okay well then go and surprise them because they'll think you won't go because grandma's a christian and she's an uptight you know whatever and and even bring them a gift why not i mean let, let's show some christian kindness and a lot of people you know started to take sides you know you know you can't go do this because i mean that's just unbiblical and well yes you should do it because even if you're not a uh, if you're not a you know gay or lesbian or bisexual or transgender you can show the love of christ by going and supporting them and i think that's one of the modern myths is that my daughter kaylee and i were having dinner the other night and uh, we were talking about that whole you know just as i am altar call where people would come to the altar to repent of their sins. She was talking about when her husband, Kevin, who grew up in the Catholic church and they started attending an evangelical church and they went to a, a series of Bible studies. And one Sunday after, you know, they'd heard the message and there was kind of an altar call that was given at their church. Uh, she said, Kevin shot up and said, I, I want to be a Christian. I want to be baptized. I want to, this is the church. I mean, I finally understand it. It's not the tradition that I learned in the Catholic church. This is a real thing. But it's amazing how many people today think it's not loving to see somebody who's in habitual sin, who wants to repent and turn away from that sin to become a Christian and say, oh, no, 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 just tell Jesus you love him. Wait for him to bless you, but you you keep doing you. You know, I mean, can you imagine a guy who is married to a woman, he leaves her, doesn't divorce her, but leaves her and starts carrying on an extramarital affair with another woman. And then he calls his wife and says, I want to come home. I want to rebuild our relationship and she says okay uh first you need to get rid of the girlfriend he's like well why you know <laughs> doesn't make any sense the criticism was fast and furious to Valister Begg. we are going to discuss this more in depth on the national crawford roundtable podcast but since i didn't get to be on ncr this week i'm going to take on the other side of this break take the next half hour of the program and give you my own thoughts and what god's been sharing with me 
about how do you respond when a member of your congregation comes up and says, my grandson's gay and wants to marry another guy or whatever the situation is. We'll talk about a Christian approach and response to that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Bottom line show listeners have been so supportive of Preborn and I appreciate you. And I know that Preborn does as well. Preborn is the pregnancy resource center that offers women uh, options and offers women the truth when it comes to an unexpected or unplanned pregnancy. Now, if you were expecting pregnancy and you want to get a free ultrasound, you can go to our preborn clinic as well. It's very easy to do. And every time we donate $28 to the cause, that provides one free ultrasound appointment for someone who may or may not have the means to handle this. Now, Terry in Cathedral City recently called in a $1,000 donation. Thank you so much, Terry, for, uh, for giving us that call, especially out of the Coachella Valley. Also, Dennis in Los Angeles called in a $28 donation. Thank you, Dennis, for that $28. And also, I want to say thanks to Diane in San Diego, a $500 donation. Every $28 you provide means one more ultrasound visit for a woman who may be deciding between whether or not to keep the pregnancy or to keep the child. We are pro-child. 85% of the women who go to preborn and see the ultrasound choose life for their preborn child. And you can give a tax-deductible donation online today to support that cause. Go to kbrightradio.com and look for the preborn banner. Click the banner and make your best donation today. Welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here. And uh, my thanks again to uh, uh, pa- uh, Pastor, President Jack Hay, the president of Patrick Henry College. Their Student Leadership Summit is coming up this weekend, or not this weekend, in a couple of weeks, at Calvary Chapel Mission Viejo on Saturday, February 24th. And there's early bird pricing available if you go to the link at thebottomlineshow.com. Uh, we'll connect you to that early bird price. It's going to be a great day if you have a... Uh, middle school or a high school in your world, maybe a grandchild who's thinking about uh, going to college and you're looking for a great Christian college experience, this is an excellent one. So uh, we've got that link up at thebottomlineshow.com. Hey, coming up today at the top of the hour, for those who remain on the network, um, if you are a fan of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we have a great podcast this week. Now, I can tell you what we talked about. I don't exactly know what we did talk about, though I know the topic. And if you are listening to KCBC right now, the National Crawford Roundtable airs in your neck of the woods Thursday mornings at 10.30. Place of the bottom line rewind, you get the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And I bring that up because it means it's already been posted. It was recorded yesterday. And typically it is the four of us, uh, Bob Duco from the Bob Duco Show, uh, Detroit, Michigan, WMUZ. Neil Boron, Pastor Neil Boron from Neil Boron Live at uh, WDCX in Buffalo, New York. John Rush, the host of Rush to Reason, and about 15 other shows on KLC, AM 560 and Denver. Maybe it's not that many, but John has a lot of programs. got a car show and other... But Rush to Reason is a good one. And Rush to Reason is one of the uh, uh, the few of our affiliates. It's either Wednesdays or Thursdays from 6 to 7 Mountain Time. They carry the entire hour of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And then, of course, we get the first half hour here on Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific Time. And this week, we, we take turns hosting the uh, uh, Roundtable podcast. For technical reasons, I wasn't able to be on the program. It was my turn to host. So I said, okay, guys, here's the deal. Go for it. Let's talk about Alistair Begg. Let's talk about the same-sex marriage kerfluffle and, uh, and see what happens. Well, I realized the other guys had a chance to do so. I didn't get a chance to get my two cents in. So I'd like to take the next half hour doing an analysis balancing clarity segment for those who listen to NCR at the top of this hour coming up in a half hour. And I'll just use mine as a preamble to what the guys talk about. Full, full disclosure, I haven't listened yet.
So I don't know what they said. But I do know this. If you are a fan of the Truth For Life radio program that here in Southern California airs on K-Bright AM 740 um, and AM 1240 in San Diego every weekday at 12 noon, Alistair Begg is a is a remarkable human being. I think he's just he's a great guy. He's a pastor who originally hails from Scotland. Um, he's pastoring now in Cleveland, Ohio, has been doing so for quite some time and um, has been the uh, Bible teacher on Truth for Life uh, for a number of years. He, he teaches, he's senior pastor at Cleveland's Parkside Church, and he has held that position for 41 years. Uh, he, it's amazing. 1,800 radio outlets carry Truth for Life each and every day, including these Crawford stations. And he made a comment not too long ago about uh, a question that was asked of him with regard to a, uh, a question regarding a non-traditional wedding, as it were. And uh, it, it's worth looking at. Now, first and foremost, let's, let's be perfectly frank. This is a podcast that uh, Alistair Begg hosts, and he gets comments. People ask questions, you know, what do you think I should do? Here's my situation. And he responds to them, evidently. This posting happened back in September. It's just now uh, reaching the light of day. People are wondering why, you know, haven't people taken action sooner? That's the reason why. I mean, th- this is something that uh, he, he made a comment, and he was presented with a question that if we're going to be honest— Almost every pastor in America, if they've not been asked this question before, they will be asked this question within a matter of years. And the reason, it's basically what happens if I have a son or a daughter or grandson, granddaughter, niece, nephew, whatever. They're in that Generation Z millennial demographic and they are either standing up for a friend who's in a so-called LGBTQ wedding or they are the people who are involved in the actual transaction, as it were. One out of every four millennial, excuse me, Generation Z now identifies as transgender or LGBTQ. Now, LGBTQ, of course, stands for lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and then queer. And then there's an A and an I and a plus, and they keep adding letters to it. It means people who are not in the heterosexual camp. And in all honesty, the people who fall into that category the most are the bees. People who identify as bisexual outnumber lesbians and gays and transgender people combined in that age group, in that sexual orientation group. But what used to be uh, pretty much a non-issue, when we started the Bottom Line show, I thought I want to find out how many people identify that way because in the 2000 census, it was the first time that the the American people were ever asked to identify as LGBTQ. And we found out that instead of 10% of the population being LGBTQ, it was actually more like 2.5%. As a matter of fact, I recall specifically when we started the bottom line show, the number of people in America who identified as transgender was actually 900,000. And the population of America was 330 million. Fast forward about 10 years and all of a sudden Generation Z is coming up and they have a very unusual and different way of looking at gender and sex and sexuality. Now, as many as one out of every five members of Generation Z, which are young people ages 12 to 25, will identify as LGBTQ plus whatever. And the vast majority of them are saying, I'm transgender. So the situation I'm about to describe is going to be more common. If it hasn't hit your church yet, it's going to. I know it hit my church about four years ago. 
It's not widespread, but it is becoming more commonplace. What happened was a grandmother wrote to Alistair Begg and said, here's the deal. My grandson is getting married, and the woman he is marrying is transgender. Now, if for some reason, you know, that had come your way, how would you respond? Well, that was she was asking. She's asking Alistair Begg, what do you think I should do? And so they had a little bit of a dialogue back and forth where basically he asked questions like, you know, does your grandson know about your Christian faith? Yes, he does. Um, would he be surprised to see you there? Well, yeah, I think so. And so here's what Alistair Begg recommended. He said, look, if you are confident with where you stand with God and you know that this is not an actual Christian wedding per se, then I say not only should you go, but bring the couple a wedding gift. Now, when news of that spread, the headline was, uh, Alistair Begg encourages grandmother to go to gay wedding. And everybody had an opinion. Alistair Begg, in the whole text of the context, which we'll post at thebottomlineshow.com, said, look, here's the thing. Your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said, these people are always what they thought they were. They're judgmental, they're critical, they're unprepared to countenance anything. So therefore, that's why I think you should go to the wedding. Now, a backlash ensued. People, pundits, the media all went nuts. What is Alistair Begg doing, et cetera, et cetera. Everyone seemed to want to have a comment on this issue. American Family Radio is the uh, large radio network chain that used to carry Truth For Life. I mentioned earlier, it was on 1,800 outlets nationwide, and they canceled that release. They just said, forget it. If Alistair Begg said, you should go to a same-sex wedding, quote, unquote, then we're, we're canceling him. He doesn't understand scripture. Here at Crawford Broadcasting, our station manager at WDCX in Buffalo, New York, Dr. Brett Larson, uh, posted a, a post with regard to, you know, here's the whole context of what Alistair said, and here's why we're supporting him. We're not, we're, not that we're condoning going to this wedding, but this is a one-off type of thing. This was a specific uh, a recommendation for one individual. He wasn't saying everybody should all go to these weddings. But, you know, it, it got me thinking. Got a couple different stories working here. Number one, of course, is a pastor who, as he's getting older, is saying, gosh, what if that ever happened to me? And giving advice to a woman who is elderly. She has a grandson who's getting married, and he has found the quote-unquote girl of his dreams, only she was born a he. And apparently has had the surgery, cosmetically, to now resemble a woman's body. As my And the reason I, I say it that way is because a woman who's become a regular contributor to the Bottom Line show, uh, Laura Perry Smaltz, uh, who just started a brand new ministry with her husband, Laura lived as a man for nine years. She really honestly felt that, that she, got, she had been born in the wrong body. She was hanging around people who convinced her that was true. It wasn't until actually she being an IT professional of sorts, uh, her mom was leading a women's Bible study and asked Laura to build a website for the study. And so she built the website, started loading the Bible studies, started listening to them, and God really spoke to her and convicted her. She renounced that whole transgender lifestyle. She went back to 
being Laura, and now she's very happily married and has a ministry to people who are dealing with gender dysphoria. That I mean, that's it used to be that's how if someone said this is the way I feel, this is how we dealt with it. Nowadays, more people are saying, look, the hormones are out there. The schools are hiding this from parents and grandparents, and it's a real thing. It's going to happen. So how do you respond? Well, I think Alistair Begg's heart was certainly in the right place when he said what he said. However, I don't think his advice was correct. So the question then is, how do we respond to this? He already said it. This young man is marrying a guy who turned his body into a feminine form, and they're getting married. That's going to happen. We're not going to stop that, apparently. And grandma is confused because she's saying, wait a minute, I don't want to lose relationship with my grandson, but I can't condone this, so what do I do? So when Alistair Begg says, go, you'll surprise him. You'll show him that Christians can be very loving and buy them a wedding gift. I don't think that's the right advice. But I think that the way that it's been responded to also could use a little, there's a little room for improvement there. So on the other side of this break, I want to get into some, the things that are problematic about this and then how we as Christians can do this right because we're going to need the practice. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trust. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out. So you can see it's definitely not a REIT. Or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. It's kind of a preamble for this week's National Crawford Roundtable podcast, which I was not able to be part of the recording yesterday morning. So at 4 o'clock, you're going to hear Bob and Neil and John talking about the Alistair Begg kerfluffle and the fact that Alistair Begg did, in fact, recommend to one of his constituents, uh, a woman who's a grandmother, her grandson's getting married to a young man who now identifies as a woman, and uh, Alistair asked, you know, do you think your faith in Christ is strong? Yes, I do. Um, well, rather than come across as judgmental and critical and, you know, people who can't roll with it, those are my words translating what he said. He said, not only should you go to her grandson's wedding, but buy the couple a gift. Now, all sorts of people, American Family Radio canceled, people were coming to his defense, people were moving in the other direction. I want to offer a couple of commentaries that I think are are very helpful. Jason Jimenez, who's been a guest here on the Bottom Line Show, wrote an article for the Washington Times that he said the three problems that he saw with what Alistair Begg said was, number one, if you attend a wedding like this, you're overlooking God's identity of male and female. A lot of people would say, well, now, wait a minute. How many times have you gone to a wedding where the husband and wife, the bride and the groom, if you will, uh, were living together for five years before they got married? Aren't they making a mockery of marriage by doing so? Well, when they were living together in sin, yes, they were. But if they are entering into a covenantal marriage, you know, in the church with the pastor before God and all these witnesses, sure, there's the civil signing of the contract, but the covenant before God, you see, that couple, even when they're living in sin, 
has the opportunity to right that situation, not just by getting married, but by getting their hearts right for marriage and then tying the knot in holy matrimony, because in God's eyes, if they've been physically intimate, that's a married couple. On the other hand, the two men or two women who want to get into this, or the guy who changes his body to look like a girl, or the girl who does the same thing to look like a guy, they don't have the same recourse. Just putting a ring on it, as they say in the vernacular, does not give them the same sort of opportunity to right the wrong, if you will. The marriage ceremony is a celebration of a man taking a woman to be his wife and a woman taking a man to be her husband. It's Christ, the bridegroom, coming to claim his bride, the church. There's symbolism. There's some practical aspects too. But this is all God's plan A. So we don't get to change those rules. Even if someone you love is making that decision or has made that decision, we don't get to change that rule. Now, I I love the fact, too, that in his critique, Jason Jimenez also says, look, in 2022, Alistair Begg preached a sermon at Parkside Church um, from Romans chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. He's not condoning homosexuality or transgenderism. Here's what he says. Why would I ever come here and do verses 26 and 27 of Romans unless I absolutely believe that the Bible is, and God's word is unerring and that it speaks truth, even on a Sunday morning like this? We are not at liberty to rewrite the Bible, to accommodate godless perspectives on abortion or euthanasia or same-sex marriage or transgenderism. We are not. So why would he then advocate for a woman, or I could say a grandmother in this case, to go to her grandson's wedding to a transgender woman. Not only if do, does our attendance say we're overlooking God's identity of male and female, it also undermines God's definition of marriage because marriage is between a man and a woman. And so when you get right down to it, the people who would say, oh, those judgmental Christians, they would never go to something like this. You have two choices. Choice number one is to go to the wedding, surprise them, and then have people go, well, what kind of Christian are you? Or not go to the wedding and hope and pray for the people that you might have hurt feelings toward if they truly are loving and welcoming and accepting, then they'll understand your reason why you can't go. Remember the case in, with Arlene's Flowers in, in Washington and Baronel Stutzman, who had two men who were regular customers of hers. And they dated and she knew it and they would send each other flowers and it was business for her. And you know she, they knew she was a Christian, but the business was buying and selling flowers. And eventually they got engaged when Washington State legalized so-called same-sex marriage And they came to her and wanted a bid for, will you do the flowers for our wedding and the reception? And she said, guys, look, I'll give you the bid, but I can't do this job. You know I can't. And they knew she couldn't. One of them even posted, hey, today on our social media page, social media uh, posting of, look at us, we were out shopping for flowers. Gosh, we really wish Baron L could do our wedding, but we understand why she can't. That wasn't good enough for an official of the Washington State Department of Political Correctness or whatever, who wound up bringing a lawsuit against her, and literally she lost at every level of court. She is bankrupt, and there goes her retirement, 77 years of age. So much for loving, tolerant, and accepting, right? But here's the thing. What Alistair Begg was trying to do is to help a woman who is caught in this conundrum. I don't want to lose my grandson. 
I don't know of too many grandparents who say, boy, you know what? I really hope that my grandson does something that so violates my Christian faith that I'm just, I'm not going to go. I know people, and confidentially, I wouldn't share any names or whatever, but who've had to make the decision with regard to a wedding that involved a different religion. And I'm not talking, you know, well, we're Presbyterians and they want to get married in the Methodist church. I'm talking about, I'm a Christian. My child was raised Christian, was confirmed in the Lutheran church here at this congregation here. And now I am going to a Buddhist wedding because she's marrying a Buddhist. And they are basically going to pledge their love in front of Confucius or whatever they do. I mean, we have this wonderful covenant. God created marriage and said that it was good and created it for a man and woman to enjoy and thrive and the two will become one and it mirrors the relationship between Christ and the church. And when you step outside of that, then you're really basically denying God. And as Jim Caviezel very famously and astutely said last year with the sound of freedom, was tearing up the charts, as it were, to become the number 10 most popular movie in America for all of 2023. He asked the question of those who would denounce the film. He said, look, why are there so many people who profess faith in Christ who act like they're more afraid of people than of God? It's no fun to tell your kid no. It's no fun to tell your grandchild no. There's no question about that. But if they are engaging in something that is unbiblical and ungodly, then we have to step up. Or maybe more accurately, we just stand firm and trust that if the relationship is irreparable, there wasn't anything there in the first place. But if you can stand before God and said, look, I followed your lead. The key, though, is in 1 Peter 3.15. And I want to talk about that on the other side of this break because I think that one of the things that I am looking for more and more in 2024 is one attribute that I see little of on the progressive side, but I'm seeing less of on the Christian side. And I think we could use a dose of a lot more of it. What is that mystery ingredient? We'll talk about that coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh offering my thoughts on the issue of Alistair Begg giving advice to a woman who's a grandmother, who's a a contributor to and part of the Truth For Life ministry who wrote in the question, or actually maybe it was on the podcast, uh, was asking, she said, hey, my grandson is engaged. The girl he is engaged to is transgender. In other words, this is a boy who had physical surgery and hormone replacement so he could make his body look like a woman. And now they're getting married. Grandson invited me to the wedding. What do I do? Alistair's response, the short version is, he asked her, does your grandson know you're a Christian? Do you understand what Christian marriage is all about? You know what? Go and bring a gift. Show that just completely baffle them. Now, he has given interviews to other outlets. I read one on foxnews.com yesterday where he said, look, I wouldn't give that advice to everyone. I gave that to her. He says there are a lot, and then I, his quote that I thought was rather a little defiant, where he said, look, there are, I repent of sins each and every day, and this is something I'm not repenting for. In other words, I don't think I did anything wrong. Here's the issue. I think it's very clear, God's word is clear, that the only marriage that God honors is between a man and a woman. And Christian couples that choose to violate that by engaging in sexual relationships outside of marriage, living together, shacking up whatever before they get married, uh, they're living in disobedience to God. 
But there is a remedy, and the remedy is either move out or get married. Get your heart right with the Lord. Demonstrate to the world that you understand that. There really is no remedy in the same-sex marriage world. But let me ask you a question. Does your church rent out its sanctuary to other people who want to get married? I have been part of a church, or two, that actually had a full-time wedding coordinator. The sanctuary is so beautiful, and Saturday morning we're not doing anything, and let's just go ahead and have a wedding here. What kind of weddings are you having at these churches? Trust me, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff. I remember seeing one wedding where a couple, they were dog enthusiasts, they met at a dog park, they both had golden retrievers, and when they got married, his best man and her maid of honor were their dogs. In church, in full tuxedo and bridesmaid dress, respectively. Now, does that sound like a God-honoring wedding? It sounds cute, it sounds so much fun, but... So you have to ask the question, do the weddings that we present here, what does a Christian wedding look like? Is it gaudy? Is it outlandish? Is it crazy? I'll tell you one thing. Ask me here right now. One thing that I think really does not bring glory and honor to God, and that is young men wearing suspenders and daisies on their lapels. Will you please rent a tuxedo, guys? Please. Most important day of your life, and you're out there like, you know, hayseed plowboy. Okay, anyway. But the key, I think, in this whole conversation, though, first and foremost, is in 1 Peter 3.15, where we always are ready to give an answer for our faith with gentleness and respect. I think the American Family Radio decision knee-jerk to pull Alistair Begg was wrong. I also believe that there have been a lot of folks who have been criticizing Alistair Begg for what he did. I don't agree. I don't condone out what Alistair Begg said to this woman, but I think we can do a better job of modeling for the world why we were so upset. Remember back when the gay quote-unquote marriage bills were happening? It was Proposition 8 here in California. And I remember musing on the air one day when it was being challenged in court. I said, who'd have ever thought that we as Christians would have to defend something that God said, I created that, that's my idea, and this is the way I say we do it, and it's good. But the culture we have to understand we're living in has gone from a why should you do something like that to why shouldn't you do something like this? And in a media-driven ministry where someone gets a hold of what they call a pull quote and sends it all over the media, Alistair Begg's recommendation to this grandmother was, if you're okay with your faith and you don't want to lose relationship with your grandson, I would go to the ceremony. Now, I will respectfully disagree. I don't see how you go to a ceremony where you're pledging your love in a covenant relationship with God before all of these witnesses and the Almighty and saying that's okay. If they have a celebration afterwards, hey, we're having a party, we just tied the knot, blah, 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 and you want to send a gift to that, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't think the wedding reception is as sacred as the wedding ceremony itself. But can we please understand the Bible better if we are more biblically literate and we share our views and opinions with gentleness and respect? We are far more, what was it, one pundit once said, be winsome so you can win some to the kingdom. That's the good news, and that's the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Rabbi Schneider coming up next. For those who remain on the network, the aforementioned debate, Bob Duco, John Rush, and Neil Boron talking about do you attend the LGBT wedding of your grandson? Coming up next as the bottom line continues.